Um, good morning. My name is Sam, and I lead the youth group here at Calvary Chapel. Is there some echo? Um, I lead the youth group here at Calvary Chapel, and this morning I am filling in for Pastor Steve. And I will be teaching today uh, from 2 Chronicles chapter 14. I'm going to try to get all the way through chapter 16. I'm not going to read every verse. Um, so if you could rise for the reading of God's word. If, um, if you, we're going to be in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 2. If you don't have a Bible, please raise your hand. If you don't have a Bible. And someone will get you a Bible. If you don't own a Bible, please keep that Bible. Uh, and it's our gift to you if you don't own one. So 2 Chronicles, Second Chronicles, that's the Old Testament, chapter 14. We're just going to read verse 2 together. It says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. You may be seated. We'll read a lot more, I promise. So I really like studying the, his, the, the histories and the stories in the Old Testament because they show us us, right? They show me me. You know, the New Testament, it's all, it's all God's inspired word. There's different ways that God gives us his word. And in these Old Testament stories, they're stories. And they're true. They're true stories. But it's not just that they happened, Right? They're so true, it's like they're still happening today. That's how true the Bible is. Okay, so, you know, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So when I'm reading a story about a king from 2,500, 3,000 years ago, it's God talking to me today, it's God talking to you today. And I just hope each of you realize every time that you open the Bible and every time that you come into a church to listen to a sermon, you're taking a risk that God's going to speak to you. And he may say something that you really like, and that's wonderful. And he also may say something that you really don't like. You're taking the risk. He's doing the speaking. Are you going to listen when God speaks? Israel as a nation, they, the story is they obey God and the nation prospers and they're led by men who are following God or they don't follow after God. And there's war and there's turmoil. When there's repentance, then there's restoration. When there's rebellion, there's devastation. And the story of King Asa is one of these stories. His, his story starts in verse 2, which we already read. It says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. This is his legacy. We're going to go through his life. This is his legacy. That's it. And it's, the, re- the story starts in verse 4. It says, he commanded Judah, this is Asa, he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities in Judah since the land was at peace. There was no war with him during those years, for the Lord gave him rest. Asa did what was good and right 
in the eyes of the Lord his God. He's a, he was a good man in God's eyes. Remember, this is God speaking, right? So God is speaking through the writer of Second Chronicles, and God's opinion of Asa is he did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God in the eyes of the Lord as God, and we get a little glimpse into some of those works that he did, right? He turns the nation back to, the, to, to God. He tears down false worship. He builds up good worship. Know this. Good works cannot come from a complacent heart. And we'll get into that. Everlasting fruit, fruit that just lasts, right? Good things things that just go on into eternity, that praise God year after year after year, they cannot come from a complacent heart. I've got a saying that I've made up. Faith is the root and the works are the fruit. And I like it because it rhymes. So it's easy to remember. Faith is the root, the works are the fruit. If you're serving God in faith, you can't help but to produce fruit in your life. You can't help it. If you are serving God in faith, there's no other way for your life to turn out, other than for it to be a fruitful life. And, the, and the, the reverse is also true. If you're not serving God in faith, you won't be able to go on. Like, it'll be like a tree. You cut off the roots. Fruit dries up. The leaves dries up. Then it's good for nothing but burning. Asa was going hard for 10 years restoring the true worship of God, ridding the land of idolatry and false worship, restoring the land. This, is, this was God's work. This was the work he was meant to do. Do you know that there's a work that God has meant for you to do? You're not a king in Israel, but the Bible calls you in the New Testament, you're a nation, we are a nation. Everyone in this room, look around. We're a nation of kings and priests. God has a work for you to do in your life. And you can walk in that or not. This was God's work, and it couldn't come from a place, from any other place than a place of faith. Hebrews 11.6 describes faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek, who diligently seek him. Asa believed that God existed and that God desired good for him and, for him and for his, his people. He believed God existed and he believed that, Jesus, that he loved him. He believed that God loved him and that he wanted good for him. Do you believe that God exists? Step one, do you believe God exists? Actually, there's a lot of people who believe that God exists, but who don't believe that God could ever actually love them because all of that stuff that I've done or that place where I've come from, or the things that happened to me when I was young, or the things that I've done to myself and to other people? How could God love me? Asa believed that God loved him. Are you in that place? If you're in that place, stay there. Stay in that place that God exists and that he loves you. If Asa believed that he should do all of this stuff. This was good. These were good things to do. But if Asa believed that he should do this for the people's sake or because his, his fathers and their fathers, they had done it and they, had, they would want him to do it or you know, for his legacy, he would have justified slacking off 
And then he would have justified sinning altogether. If it was from any other place other than faith, he had deep faith. And from that faith sprang these good works and that blessed God's heart and blessed his nation. You know, when a person who has faith, who has faith like this, when struggles come, what is their reaction? When, when a person has faith like this, when their, when their faith, when their life is rooted in God, what, what, what's the, what, what happens when something terrible happens? Right? Let's keep reading. Um, well, first I'm going to just summarize something, right? So, 10 years of peace, and then an army comes. This should feel familiar to us. 2020 was the worst year of my life. <laughs> it was awful, okay? It was like an army, right? That was coming against you individually, coming against the, it was the whole, the whole, all of life, it was like we were under attack. Amen? That was a terrible year, right? Let's, let's see what happens when, when a, a million-person army comes against Judah, comes against Asa, Asa, he, he knows this army is coming, and he goes before the Lord. He prays in front of all the people. And Asa called to the Lord his God, this is verse 11, and said, Lord, there is no one who is like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. And verse 12, the Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. What do we expect? Asa's life was rock solid, roots in God, and when the army came, he prevailed. That's a promise from Scripture. What a beautiful prayer from this man, and his, whose trust was in the Lord God. He had believed yesterday, he believed in 2019, and when 2020 came, he believed today. He believed in God's power. It didn't matter if there was a million or if there was 10 million. He said, God, I've trusted you before, and I trust you on this day. Jesus tells the parable of a wise man who builds his house on a rock in Matthew 725. What happens when he builds his house in the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Asa had built his house on the rock. And when the storm came, when the battle came, there was no way that he wouldn't continue to rely on God. He had read his great-grandfather's Psalm. Psalm 18.2 says, the Lord is my rock my fortress and my deliverer in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. If you trust God, if you build your house on the rock, if you put your roots down into the word of God, when the weather is sunny, before the rains come, before the pandemic comes, before the armies come, when they come, your faith will stand. That's a promise from scripture. And the opposite is true too. When a king was lazy during peacetime, when it was wartime, they fell. No roots. 
And when they crumble, what happens? They, they take people down with them. They take people down with them. Don't ever think that your life is free of consequences for other people. This is a benefit, actually, that you have being created in the image of God. You get to affect other people's lives. But if you are lazy, if I'm lazy, when the sun is out during peacetime in 2019, I'm going to hurt everyone around me in 2020. I'm going to hurt everyone around me when the armies come, when the storm comes. This, a king's lack of faith would be devastation for his people. And my lack of faith and my failure to build on the rock will lead for, to pain and suffering to, those, to the people who I love around me, not just like random people, the people close to me who I love, who God has put in my life. You know, I, I think I, I've been reflecting a lot about, you know, these last couple of years. Uh, how is there devastation in my relationships now after this year? Is there devastation in my, in, in my relationships? If there is, is, if, if there's, is, there more, is there more anger and frustration with the people who are my brothers and sisters and even hatred now? Is there more of that now, bitterness now? If that's the case, there's repenting to do today. If now in 2020, I feel love and unity with someone because of their political beliefs or their views about masks and vaccines, and I feel just bitterness and hatred and disdain for people who don't agree with me on those things, even though we share a bond in Christ, even though Jesus Christ died, bled out for that person, and they're purchased by, the blood, by that blood, and we're siblings through that blood, I suggest that there is something very wrong today and repentance needs to happen today. There is not another day that can go by with this devastation continuing in the church. The church needs to come together as soon as possible, today. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. For Asa, it was not devastation. It was salvation. His faith in God led to the salvation of those who, are, who were around him. Now, the rest of Asa's story revolves around two messages, two messages, uh, messages that God gave to him through two prophets. One message is encouraging, and one message is rebuking. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word, Timothy, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct rebuke, encourage with patience and careful instruction. Calvary Chapel, and if this is your first time here and your last time here, wherever you go to church, your pastors, this is their first and most important duty. Do you know that? To speak what God has spoken to them to you. That is their, that's the job, that's the God's work that they're doing in season and out of season. They're not supposed to preach what's popular what makes you feel good, what you've been reading at home or listening to at home, he's just supposed to listen and hear what is God saying to me and what are the, to these people. He's God's vessel. And that sometimes means that he's preaching the word in season, if you will, where people are open, where people are responding positively, they're nodding, they're like yesing, 
They're looking at their neighbor. Amen. Hallelujah. Like maybe they're crying. This is like sweet fruit, right? In season. And this is as good as it gets for preaching and also for listening. When the word of God falls on soft, ready hearts, it's, it's amazing. It's not wrong to preach that way. It's, it's beautiful. It's what I want to hear. It's, and, I, and I love it. I feel like my, my heart fills. And, and this, is what, this is what was spoken to Asa in chapter 15, 1 through 4. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Oded, and he came to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And for a, for a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach, and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, to, God, to the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In verse 7, But as for you, be strong and do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. This is amazing preaching to be under. It's God's word. And you can imagine Asa and the whole, everyone listening to this just being filled like their hearts are on fire, right? Like we're doing the right thing and God wants us to keep doing it. In verse 8, what is his reaction? When Asa heard these words of, of the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land, and he repaired the altar of God. And verse 12, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. And verse 15, and all Judah rejoiced about the oath because they had sworn it with their whole hearts. And they sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord gave them rest on every side. Oh my goodness, it just makes me like tear up. That is wonderful. Asa was inspired. The people were inspired. The leader and the people together, they detested the sin in their land. They wanted nothing to do with it. And they worshiped God with just overflowing joy. I love verse 12. Verse 12 says, they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. Calvary Chapel, that we would experience something like this in our church, just a fiery, passionate, uniting love that produces the works of God to eternal fruit, that we wouldn't just do it in our own lives, but we would do it together. I, I don't just want to be in love with God. I want to be in love with each one of you, right? And I want each one of you to have that love for each other, to be like, I love this brother like I love myself. I love this sister like I love myself. That our hearts would just be overflowing with, love, with the love that all the, for, all, for all the things that God has done in our lives and through Christ, that, that would bind us together with such an intense love, and we would change the world, just, just the people in this room, with that kind of love, with that kind of unity. I know it. This is what God wants for you, and this is what God wants for us. I'm so tired of feeling alone. I'm not alone, right? If, are you tired of feeling alone? You're not alone if you're in Christ. And I'm afraid that in 2020 it showed how far away from that I am. How far away from that do you feel? Can we return? Yes. 
There is never, ever, ever a time that's too late to return to God and to experience this kind of spiritual and communal and even physical ecstasy. Ecstasy is an extreme word, and I like it. It's wild. It's extreme. The the definitions in the dictionary say an overwhelming feeling of happiness and excitement, and then an emotional, religious, or even trance-like state involving a mystic self-transcendence. That sounds weird, but if that sounds weird to you, let me tell you, God is real. The experience that God is real and that he loves you, those are real things. And the experience that you could be totally united with God and with your brothers and sisters in prayer and in God's work is a real experience that God wants for you. That's ecstasy. That's extreme, wild delight. Some people take drugs to find spiritual ecstasy and it fades in a couple hours. God wants that for you 24-7. And that is what Asa was experiencing, King Asa. God will give that to you. He has given that to some of you. And some of you have walked away from that, I know. Verse 16 this is, this, is what it, this is what that wild and extreme delight does to a person. Verse 16 says, King Asa deposed his grandmother, his nana, from her position as queen mother because she made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. He cut it down, he broke it up, he burned it. Asa is so in love and so overwhelmed by God's goodness by his love for his people and by his dedication to this covenant that they had made together that when his own grandma is worshiping another god, he fires her. He removes her. He wants nothing to do with her. The ecstasy, that this pleasure that springs from faith isn't worth sacrificing for anything, for your family, so Proverbs 25, 11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. How beautiful and wonderful the word that was spoken to him and the people had worked on his life. In verse 19, what, was, what happened? There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. 25 were years of peace from a word in season. What about a word out of season? Let's see how Asa handled it. In chapter 16, uh, I'll summarize verses 1 through 6. Another military threat from the northern tribe of Israel, not as big as the one that had come years earlier. But instead of trusting in God like he had before, Asa gave a large amount of money to to a, a foreign king to protect him. And after the whole affair was done, God sent a prophet again to him. In uh, chapter 16, verse 7, at that time, Hanani the prophet came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Aram and not the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from your hand. Were not the Cushites and the Libyans a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen? Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord ranged throughout the whole earth to to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing, and from now on, you will be at war. In verse 10, 
Asa was angry with the prophet because of this. He was so enraged that he put him in prison. And at that time, Asa brutally oppressed some of the people. What about a word that you don't want to hear? What about a word that's that, some fruit that's out of season? It's sour and bitter. What about when the preacher is telling, t- saying repent, is rebuking you? Have you ever had that feeling like, how does he know what's going, what I'm doing in my life? How does he know the things that I'm doing that I haven't told him, what I've only told this one person? Are they conspiring together? And like, are they, is, is he trying to out me up here? Has anyone ever felt like that? I've felt like that, right? He's not. God is speaking to you, and it's sour sometimes. Just as it is with every, you know, just as it's a, as a pastor's duty to preach the word in season, to deliver the sweet fruit, sometimes it's his, it's his job to deliver that sour, hard-to-hear fruit. You know, when, it, when it's in the, the congregation, when it's just silence and shaking heads and people leaving. Let me issue um, a warning to us all. Our pastors, um, whatever decisions they have made in the last year that have made you feel one kind of way or another, they haven't done anything lightly. They have sought the Lord every step of the way. And this, is, this doesn't just go for our church, but it is not a light thing to oppose God's shepherds. It's a heavy, serious thing. And I would caution every believer to really consider doing something foolish and spiritually dangerous. Asa didn't like what God's prophet had to say to him this time, so he came down hard. And he canceled him, and he threw him in jail, and he oppressed anyone else who agreed with him. He was angry, and he was stubborn in his anger, and in his stubbornness, people died. And I've said this before, you know, our, our, our consequences have life or death, our actions have life or death consequences, whether it's for salvation, as it was earlier, or damnation. Some people died, and some people will die If when God is speaking to you, you say, no, people will die spiritually and physically. Will our unity through a pandemic prove, and Jesus says that this would happen, will our unity through a pandemic prove to the unbeliever that God is real, that Jesus is alive, and that the Holy Spirit is moving in this church? Or will our disunity and bitterness and bickering confirm their suspicions that God isn't real and that Christians are just like everyone else? Salvation or damnation? Life or death? I don't know what happened to Asa to cause this change. It's hard to imagine a man with that blazing fire of passion leading his people in obedience that he would throw God's prophet in jail and, he, and oppress his people. Maybe he got comfortable. It doesn't say what happened. I know that our relationship with Jesus needs to, needs to be worked on daily, to be tended daily, spending daily time in prayer, in worship, and in his word. And like a garden, if we stop tending that relationship, it will be full of weeds. Bad things will happen, things we can't take back, life or death things. 
And that happened to Asa at some point. He fell into sin. And that's, that's sad, and those things happen, and he can't take back those things. But even so, I'm encouraged because not one of us is perfect. Not one person in this room has acted perfectly through a pandemic or in their life. Not one of us can say we've perfectly followed God. And we can see God's grace on Asa's life. Remember, what is his legacy in verse 2? Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. No ifs or buts or accepts. God knew that Asa wasn't perfect. He knew Asa's heart. He knew his failings before he failed. He knew his weaknesses. And he knew that Asa loved him. And he loved Asa. This is grace. There's a a line from a poem that I love. And it says, God uses crooked sticks to make straight lines. He was in the line of the Messiah leading to Jesus, an imperfect man. This is grace that God can wipe away our failures and our weaknesses and he can say at the end, well done, good and faithful servant. Not you did a good job, but look at all this. Asa, not Asa, you did good, but you really messed up at the end with that prophet there. I need to remember that too. When there's a brother or sister who's just driving me crazy, they're in sin in some way, and I'm just sure that, you know, Like, wow, God must be really upset with this too. They're going too far this way, or they're going too far this way. Part of me wants to say, well, there goes so many good years with that brother or sister, but it's all over now, and they've blown it. This thing that this happened, this trumps all the things that God has done up until this point. I'm glad that God says of Asa, you did what was good and right. Can the worship team and the prayer couples come up now? I can have hope that God will redeem every believer's life, that he will redeem my life. And how would he not, after he's already given his son, how will he not freely give us all things? I can have peace today that God will redeem 2020, even if I messed up. Where are we today? At one point, In his life, King Asa felt like there was nothing more that he wanted to do than to serve God. And at another point in his life, he really wasn't interested in God's word. Are we tired? Are we just tired of of struggling on every side? I wanted to read a a couple stanzas of a song that always ministers to me. And I'm going to try not to cry while I read them. Tired of endless walking, not knowing which way to go, I collapse on a street called mercy. I was found in you. Throwing your arms around me, you held me like I was yours. Like you've been there the whole time waiting, I was found in you. First John 3.16 says, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. We love you, Lord, and we just 
are your adopted sons and daughters who have nothing to bring to you except the love, almost the love that we wish that we had. We, we just pray that you, we thank you that you accept us through Jesus. We, we, need, we need him every day. We need you every day. I just pray, God, that you would, you would make something beautiful in each one's life, that each person would, would know how you're speaking to them, that each person would have just the, the mustard seed of faith to walk towards you. We need you, God. We love you. And just pray for restoration in, in each life, for glory, for passion, for repentance, if repentance is needed. We love you. We need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, God, we, you know, we need you. We're, we've got some people up here to pray. If you feel like God has spoken to you um, today in one way or another, if you feel like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. Come up and get prayer from a brother or sister to affirm that. If you feel like you're just tired, tired of fighting, tired of fighting people on the outside and the inside, and you don't want to do that anymore, then come and pray with a brother or sister. Or if you, if you feel like today God has rebuked you, something, something has happened that shouldn't have happened, and it's time to come back, come pray. We're going to worship a little now. I love all of you. Thank you, and God bless you.